Kia ora and welcome to RNZ's Insight Programme. I'm Philippa Tolley. This week, the rising tide of workers from the Pacific and how they're treated. A scheme to bring in workers mainly from the Pacific for vineyard and horticulture work has its 10th anniversary next month. The system is often described as a win-win for both workers and growers. But a decade on, there are fears about the potential for exploitation and the effect a ready source of outside labour has on pay rates for New Zealanders. These are probably about 16 17% sugar at the moment, we need them to get to about 21%, 22% we pick. Simon Bishel is a fifth-generation farmer on a property in the Wairo Valley, just out of Blenheim. He relies on workers from the Pacific to keep his vineyard going. Uh, there's a lot of work involved, so obviously the first step in the cycle is pruning, which obviously is a winter task, and then we're, we're pruning back all the excess canes that have grown from the season before. The property still has livestock and stone fruit, but for nearly 20 years, most of the farm has been converted to grape growing. Simon Bishel says he would struggle without the workers he gets under what's known as the Recognised Seasonal Employer Scheme, or RSE. Oh, look, we rely heavily on the RSE scheme. The reality in Marlborough, we have a very small population base, and it was able to support um, the traditional farming systems that we've had um, you know, right uh, through before the um, introduction of the wine industry. Um, but obviously since viticulture is, or wine growing is uh, so much more intensive, we've had to, we need more staff to be able to work that. And that's just plain and simple fact is that there is not the amount of um, local staff here able to um, carry out all that work. And the demand for extra workers shows no sign of slowing down. The manager of the RSE scheme at Immigration New Zealand, George Rareri, says in the last 10 years the national cap on the number of RSE workers employed each year has gone from 5,000 to 10,500. There's always a, a request for more and because the, the industry has been growing exponentially, the need for keeping pace with that growth is around the labour supply. Hence the reason why we're getting the growth uh, or the request for more. Between the start of the scheme in April 2007 and the end of the season last year, just over 40,000 RSE workers have arrived in New Zealand. Some of those positions will have been filled by the same people returning to work again and again. But a Blenheim-based union organiser, Steve McManus, says the workers from the Pacific can be taken advantage of fairly easily. The thing is with the overseas workers, they get exploited because they know that they're vulnerable and they can be got at by just saying, putting the fear of, of them into saying that you know, may not be back next year. The thing is these people, they, they come from villages and stuff like that and whatever they make, it goes back into their, into their village. Um, they, they bring stuff back from here. Uh, they plant their crops and that in the off-season and then they expect to come back the following year. And there's always that fear in there. Like, I mean, we, we talked to some people the other day. They were really... There was a couple of them could speak quite good English, but um, they were really scared. They were scared scared of being with us in there and uh, just wondering if, you know, anyone's watching them. In Hawke's Bay, the apple harvest is in full swing, with growers relying heavily on RSE staff, including at the organic orchard run by the company Bostock. Mitiele Sakura is one of the workers here from Lombasa on Fiji's second island of Vanua Levu and says the money he saves from his work in New Zealand has helped his village. So before we leave uh, New Zealand, the 
12 of us, we bought our set of solar energy because back at home, like, there's no electricity. So this solar energy cost us 30,000 New Zealand dollar. Whether we, if we're buying from Fiji, it'll cost us 7,000 Fijian dollar. So, like, this help a lot back at home. And uh, we start to renovate our houses, which was damaged by the cyclone. And if we are staying back in Fiji, never come to New Zealand, it will be very hard for us to do this rebuilding. Because, first of all, we need money to do all this stuff. His fellow worker, Stephen Tonis, comes from Tavioni, another Fiji island. Working under the RSE scheme helps him get closer to his goal of building the family business. When I came back from New Zealand, I extend our business, um, fish market, helping my dad about that. This orchard company employs 300 RSE staff every year, with workers coming from Vanuatu and the Solomon Islands, as well as Fiji. Bostock's Labour Development Manager, Vicky Garrett, says the company makes sure everyone has accommodation. We tend to put them all up in um, houses that are on our orchards. Um, we find that um, they like the wide open spaces as opposed to being in suburbia. And we do um, lease a couple of long-term properties as well. That helps because um, they can house a lot more people. And we tend to house our people um, with their relevant relevant culture. Um, We do, um, in some instances, have um, the Solomon Islanders and the Fijians that will live together um, because they, um, they understand each other's culture and plus they tend to eat the same food as well. Workers such as Georgie Wasata, also from Taviuni, talks about how being in New Zealand gives him a different perspective. We learn that everything is in order, like in our country, it's a bit uh, messed up. <laughs> and uh, we like going around in town and uh, also seeing the prices of the clothes and the different things that we see here, we can see it in Fiji. Vicky Garrett says the workers gain more than just cash in their pockets. And it's actually very empowering. I go back to the islands. Um, For example, in the Solomon Islands, I've got um, a brother and sister team um, who no longer need us, which is great for them but not great for us, um, because they've now got a cocoa plantation. So now they're sustainable. They're now exporting um, their own cocoa. So um, those kind of returns are extremely empowering for us. She says for the company, the RSE staff are a vital top-up workforce. During the peak season, staff can be needed every day and can work up to 60 hours a week. It was demand like that that created the push for the seasonal scheme, as Immigration's George Rareri explains. It was introduced because the horticulture, viticulture industry were having issues trying to source labour to pick their fruit. And each year, up until the scheme actually started, fruit was being left on the trees. Um, and rotting, uh, and productivity was down, and there's just we just never had the labour to offer the industry to pick that fruit. The idea was first officially floated at the Pacific Island Forum in Rarotonga in 2006, when Helen Clark's government agreed to start work on a recognised employer scheme so that orchardists could head out into the Pacific to recruit. The first workers arrived in 2007. Along with Samoa, Tonga, Vanuatu, Tuvalu, Kiribati, Nauru and Papua New Guinea, and since 2014 Fiji, some workers also come from Thailand and Malaysia under pre-existing agreements. Among the 125 employers who currently have accreditation is a Blenheim-based company Vinepower. It was among the first to join the scheme, bringing in workers from Tonga. 
Its current general manager, Daryl Mason, says the majority of its workforce are from the Pacific, but the company still looks to employ New Zealanders first. We look at servicing around 9 to 10 million vines, so obviously we need a lot of people for that. That's a huge yeah, number, isn't it? It is a huge number, so our, the biggest, the bulk of our workforce is REC workers. Before people can employ an RSC worker, that there has to be a sort of a test that there isn't a New Zealander who can do the job. Right. You know, practically, how does that work out? We are constantly in touch with work and income, and you know, if they've got people that are looking for work, they send them to us, and we employ them. Um, we also anybody that rings directly to us, they come and sign up and start as well. Immigration's George Rarere confirms the need for employers to prove they're trying to recruit New Zealanders. While growers may well want more offshore workers, and the numbers have increased, any request to the minister has to be backed by evidence real efforts are being made. He says in Hawke's Bay they've been able to back their claims about working to get more New Zealanders on board. In the last three years, for instance, the Hawke's Bay region, who have the largest number of uh, RSC workers, were restricted from having more uh, RSC workers because they weren't demonstrating to the government that they were actually increasing the numbers of New Zealanders in the scheme. This year they have been able to demonstrate that they have programmes running. They have evidence to show that the programmes they have running are in fact um, helping to reduce the numbers of unemployment in that region. Even though workers are paid at a piece rate based on an individual task, Daryl Mason says the company has to ensure minimum pay levels are reached. We keep an eye on that. Every, every week we have to keep records of what each person earns and how many hours they do. So as a general manager, I need to keep an eye on that. Each week I look at the minimum pay records to make sure that we, our workers are averaging um, a rate above minimum pay, which is usually around the $18, $19 an hour. For whatever reason, many New Zealanders don't seem to be keen on working in the vineyards. Daryl Mason says there is a good career path towards being a supervisor, but people would have to do three years on the vines before they would be qualified, and many just aren't prepared to wait that long. But could it be pay? She doesn't believe the affordable workforce offered by the men and women from the Pacific keeps wages down for all. I think if, any, if people have got the right attitude and are prepared to put the effort in, there is good earning potential out there for anybody. Daryl Mason says a decade of the RSE scheme has helped clean up the labour contracting business. Because we work with the RSE department the labour department, everyone's audited, which has helped over the years to get rid of a lot of the rat bags out of the industry. Because so, you can see how people could take advantage. Oh, definitely. And, and in years past, you know, even with backpackers and, and keyboard workers, that was happening. But problems do emerge. The Labour Inspectorate has issued 20 improvement notices to RSE employers over the last three years for issues such as not having compliant wage and time records or not paying holiday pay properly. Since the scheme started, 42 companies have had their applications to become recognised employers declined by Immigration New Zealand and another 50 companies who had accreditation then had an agreement to recruit declined. It's Wednesday night at Blenheim's Crossroads Drop-In Centre and volunteers are setting up for the weekly free dinner. So what's on the menu tonight? So it's sausage casserole. So the menu's up there. Stir-fried vegetables, 
which consists of like silver beach, gorgeous. So that's are that all the things that people have donated? Yeah, yeah all, all the stuff yeah, here. Have a look at our pantry, just have a wander around. The centre helps the homeless, families struggling with daily life and itinerant workers. It receives food donations from the community and local businesses. More recently, the centre has become a place where RSE workers can come in for a meal and a chat. Its manager, Jeanette Walker, originally made contact with the local people from Vanuatu when she organised a container of building materials to help those families hit by Cyclone Pam. Since then, she's heard a lot about the workers' experience of the RSE scheme. It's an opportunity for them to earn, earn money that they couldn't earn in their own country, but they need to be able to earn a decent wage because it's quite difficult for them to come over here. They're isolated, they're away from their families, they're working incredibly hard, and they do need to be able to get a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. And it appears not everything is always above board. It's not uniformity with the contracts. Some contracts do have the piece rate for, and the, the, for the different work that they do. Uh, some contracts have no piece rate at all, nothing. There's not enough explanation around annual leave. Some companies are paying annual leave at the end of the year. Some are saying it's included in their piece rate price, which is not good enough because their piece rate price changes day-to-day, sometimes hourly, depending on how fast they work. The faster they work, the lower the rate goes. The piece rates are variable. I've seen a list with rates that range between 3 cents and 30 cents to thin leaves on one side of a plant, 8 cents and a dollar to prune a single vine, and between 15 and 35 cents a kilo to hand-pick grapes. Both industry and fellow workers talk about how fast many of the RSE workers become. One local man spoke of them almost running down the rows. But Jeanette Walker believes some labour contractors, not all, keep the hourly rates at minimum levels by paying lower piece rates, even though the workers are going fast, hoping to earn up to $20 or $25 an hour. Ms Walker, who's a Labour candidate in this year's general election, says it isn't good enough that some RSE workers are getting less in 2017 than they were getting in 2008. What happens is that the men will go into the paddocks, they'll, they'll work for an hour, they get measured and assessed and um, the supervisors know pretty much how much work they're going to pump through for the day, what that's going to cost at, at say, that current piece rate that's been set in the morning and if it looks like they're going to be earning over the um, minimum wage, the piece rate just gets reduced during the day. Surely most people would say, if there's a job to be done and somebody's going to set the rate, how can it change? Because they just want to pay as little as possible. In a previous life, Jeanette Walker was a farmer, and she says shearers would have walked off the job if they'd been told the price per sheep was dropping because they were working too fast. That feeling of often being subject to the whim of the contractor was echoed by local vineyard workers I spoke to as well. <laughs> no, you don't. I've done it for numerous years and the pays always it's dropping every year. Every year. But all the contractors seem to be making a lot of money over it. I don't know how we... You know, we'll just get sacked if we ask questions about it, you know what I mean? The bottom line, we're just surviving, Ted. True, the amount of hours we pull. The RSE workers repeatedly emphasise what a huge and important opportunity the work scheme is for them and their home countries. 
One of the Vanuatu workers in Blenheim, who I'll call Henry, is immensely grateful for the opportunity to come and earn in New Zealand, describing it as both a blessing and a privilege. Henry tells me he's used the money he saved to build a modest house in his home village. I've got a little house, not really good, but I'm planning to extend it. A few more bedrooms? Yeah. For, like, I want to separate all boys in one side, girls in one side, and me on the other side. Contracts can be up to nine months, a long time to be away from a family. But for seasonal workers such as Henry, the opportunity to earn outweighs that sacrifice. All those involved in the industry acknowledge the work is tough, but Henry isn't phased by the demands of the job. To us, it's not too hard for us. Because we do hard jobs in, back in the islands. But you'd like to get paid a certain rate? Yeah, I think that's the point. Like, when you force you to do something, you, you like to see something good. Yeah, but when you force you to do something and then happen that uh, at the end of the day it's, it's not suit you, you feel very bad about it, and then sometimes your moral is going down. Yeah. Your moral drop out because uh, uh, you work very hard. You don't see a good sign coming out. Like many of those I spoke to, he was worried about speaking out about disappointing pay rates, fearful that raising any complaint could result in him not being employed next time round. The region is changing, so we, we are now it's not uh, the same as uh, all the times that uh, we usually come here to do uh, vineyard workers. Yeah. So the rate that uh, we, they give us is too low. My expectation uh, for this uh, season, I just expect to take uh, $3,000, uh, $4,000 dollar back to Vanuatu to, to do other things, like uh, to, to do other things for my kids. But uh, my expectation is not really good. When the scheme started in 2007, there were six labour inspectors and six compliance officers monitoring the situation. The number of RSE workers has now doubled, but there are still six inspectors and six compliance officers, plus two relationship managers. When asked about the use of varying piece rates to keep pay at low levels, the labour inspectorate said it investigated breaches of minimum employment standards, but wouldn't go into any detail in an interview and passed further questions back to Immigration New Zealand. Henry says it's quite a challenge for his people to complain. We usually uh, were very shy to talk to like all the high people like this, government and uh, this, this. Uh, but uh, we try our very best to approach them, to talk to them, and then uh, if they can uh, sort us. Jeanette Walker says the Labour Inspectorate has limited interest in checking on anything other than ensuring the basic 30 hours at the minimum wage. I don't think they go far enough. Yes, they look at the, the contracts and, and the RSC contractors are accredited and there's certain, you know, certain boxes that have to be ticked. But they don't. The problem that I have, particularly with the Department of Labour, is they look at the contracts, but then they don't actually look at the pay sheets to see if the guys are getting paid what they're supposed to be getting paid. And that's where the problem starts in terms of what I see as exploitation. In Hawke's Bay, Vicky Garrett talks about her company's experienced workers taking home between five and $12,000 net, and Immigration New Zealand talks about an average of 5000 
But Jeanette Walker says in Marlborough, for some workers, this season appears to have been particularly hard. And in one case she's been told of, a person was taking home $200 for a six-day week after deductions for things such as rent and transport were taken out. Steve McManus is an organiser for the Central Amalgamated Union, the only one working in Marlborough and he's Blenheim-based, but he has no role in helping seasonal workers when potential problems emerge. They don't have, uh, generally have contact with the union um, and I believe that um, the company, the workers sorry, have been told in the past to keep away from government departments and unions or you may not be back next year, which in turn penalises the village that they belong in. And he believes there's a pressing need for independent support. There are issues out there at the moment. We talked to a group of people, there's about 50-odd workers who weren't happy uh, with their RSC uh, employer. They have indicated that they won't be back next year. And if they're not coming back, there's obviously something pretty serious about it. We did find out some of the issues that were involved, and that included possible minimum wage not being paid the, the full amount. Steve McManus thinks the wine growers themselves would do well to take an interest in how contractors are paying and treating seasonal workers. It's their responsibility as well, and you know it would be easy enough for them. The contractors working on their land, so they have the right to be able to make sure that those people are being paid properly. And it's their reputation at stake as well. Wine Marlborough is a company owned by the local Wine Growers Association and its job is to market and protect the region's reputation as a premier wine-growing area. The general manager, Marcus Pickens, says already RSE workers do 75% of the vineyard work in the region and the industry is expected to grow by at least a quarter in the next five years. He acknowledges the industry's reputation could suffer if poor work practices were discovered but believes the systems in place are enough for now. A lot of my workload is about labour, about these challenges that we face in our community, our role in our community, the accommodation, the supply, encouraging Kiwis to come into our workforce is a big part, starting at school leavers and working the way up. There's a lot of hurdles around that that we have to overcome. There's a perception thing that uh, you know some of our school leavers, even in our local community, see the wine industry as a certain thing. But others do question how the scheme operates, including Dennis Rockwell, who wrote his doctoral thesis on the Labour scheme and how it ties in with aid in the region. He volunteered on the Vanuatu island of Tana, where many of the workers in New Zealand come from, and he's spoken to many of them on their return as part of his study. Dennis Rockwell says similar schemes elsewhere, such as in Canada, have come in for more scrutiny than here, especially over possible distortions to the labour market. One has to do with whether by employing um, island labour you manage to get a, a, a very efficient workforce who can do the same jobs much more quickly than New Zealand labourers can, but in so doing redefine the, what we might call reasonable in terms of efficiency around that. In so doing you can keep the uh, contract or sometimes called peace rates down at a, a fairly low level. Dennis Rockwell also points to the trend for the workforce to come from the same coastal villages, rather than there being any effort to spread the opportunity more widely. While he acknowledges the positives of the scheme on both sides, he refers back to programmes between the United States and Mexico where such temporary schemes began. The RSC is one of a number of programmes which um, date back to the Bracero programme of the 1950s. Uh, which, you, which you might refer to as a kind of benevolent indenture. The, the entire basis of the RSC is, is on the uh, people you know, 
not having a pathway to residency. But an academic who would like the number of workers from the Pacific to rise is Stephen Howes, a professor of economics at the Australian National University. He was one of the authors of a joint report by his university and the World Bank that said if Australia and New Zealand lifted restrictions on seasonal migrant workers, 240,000 people from the Pacific could migrate by 2040, generating an additional $10 billion in income for the region. He says initial evaluations in both Australia and New Zealand showed how successful the RSE scheme has been. Households in Tonga, with members in the RSE, had a 30% increase in income in just one year, far more than an aid programme could achieve in the same time. Professor Howes acknowledges it is possible the RSE scheme is keeping wages down in the industries they work in, but says the government could step in. True that if you increase uh, supply options and you reduce the upward pressure on wages. Uh, that said, that minimum wage is set is set by government, and and government's always able to increase it if it's felt it's it's too low. Uh, but also, what I'd say is that our experience in Australia is that if you reduce the number of seasonal workers, uh, you may just be uh, replacing them by backpackers. So it's not that you'll be creating jobs for New Zealanders. It's not that you'll be uh, seeing a higher wage. It's just that you'll be seeing um, uh, fruit pickers uh, from you know, rich OECD countries uh, rather than from poor uh, Pacific uh, island countries. In Blenheim, Jeanette Walker wants more to be done to engage the local workforce, pointing to the number of young people struggling to get a job. And there is demand for work in the region. The Household Labour Force survey figures for the last quarter of 2016 show that nearly 30% of young people aged 20 to 24 in the Marlborough-Nelson-West Coast region are not in education, employment or training. That's almost double the national average. Professor Howell says the need for more workers from the Pacific is only going to grow in demand, not just from the horticulture and grape-growing industries, but as New Zealand's population gets older, from aged care as well. Uh, I think in the case of uh, New Zealand, the debate needs to be around the length of the visa. You know, for those lower skilled um, occupations, the, the visa is only issued for one year. And, you know, obviously that's not appropriate for aged care where, where you want to provide continuity uh, of care. So what tends to happen is then that the visa gets rolled over from year to year. Uh, but then there's really no um, security on, on the on the from the point of view of the, um, the migrant. Marcus Pickens of Wine Marlborough believes the cap on the number of workers coming here will keep on going up. I think uh, probably a gradual increase over the next few years uh, I think would be you know, appropriate. Would you like to see the cap go? I don't think removing the cap is, is something I would um, I'd encourage personally. I think having that tension, a little bit of tension, not, not constraining business growth, but some tension brings obligation and responsibility. Those, those people individually are incredibly valuable to each business who has an RSC worker. Um, and, and I think that, that does have a lot of um, obligation from the employer to make sure those people are being looked after. But Jeanette Walker feels there isn't enough respect for the workforce, despite the widespread acknowledgement of its importance for the future of the wine and horticulture industries. I think there's tokenism. I think there's sort of like um, patriarchal behaviour. Um, I think there's sort of a little bit of um, post-colonial type behaviour exhibited. 
to be honest. Um, it's like they're, they're, they get treated like little children. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to go and um, go to pubs, for example, go and buy themselves a beer if they want to. Um, they're not allowed to fraternise with women. It's frowned upon. They're isolated outside of the um, town in Blenheim, in large areas. Uh, the only social engagement they really have is through the churches here, and often the services are separate to the other services. In one case, it appeared it was easier to call a worker by a number than manage her family name. She's a Vanuatu woman, and she was in tears, and she said, Jeanette, they've taken my name and I couldn't understand what she was saying. She said, they've taken my name and they've given me another name and a number. I'll, I'll say the name was Ruth and the number was 3021. That replicates what she was given. And I think, well, maybe they should just tattoo it on their wrists. It just saves the paperwork. But for all these problems, the need for this outside labour supply also seems clear. Great grower Simon Bishel says viticulture in Marlborough couldn't survive any other way. The RSC workers that come here, you know, their families get the benefit of that income that they wouldn't have otherwise had an opportunity, and it's you know, truly life-changing for them, um, the difference that that money can make back in their home communities. And you know, without their help, we just we just don't have the population base here in, in Marlborough to be able to, you know, for relying on Kiwis, we just, we just couldn't get the work done. There's no the, way basically, the industry wouldn't exist without the, the RSC workers. Grind to a halt. I'm Philippa Tolley, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to get in touch or share your thoughts on this programme, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at insight at radionz.co.nz or our Twitter handle is at insightrnz. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Gail Woods and Teresa Cowie with technical production by William Saunders. If you'd like to podcast other Insight programmes, head to iTunes or your Android provider where you can listen, subscribe, rate and review us or visit the Insight webpage at radionz.co.nz. And thanks for listening.